Is If J.K. Dobbins is back, should you be ready to start him right away? What do you do with Paris Campbell or Alec Pierce if Michael Pittman can't go? And is Michael Thomas back to his pre-injury form? Plus, the FFPC main event week one overall leader, Alex Elkins, joins us to discuss Cordero Patterson's big game. When Ronde, uh, Wendell Robinson will be startable this year and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Damn the pressure. I've seen Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all you Balkaholics and for LEX. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll wax poetic on whether Chase Edmonds and or David Montgomery should be in your starting lineups this week. Which fringe top 12 tight end needs to be flexed out for week two? And the week one leader in the FFPC main event, Alex Elkins, will grace us with his presence as we grill him on Mike Evans' poor week two matchup, Juju, Smith, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's bad game last night, and much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, feel free to do so. We encourage that type of behavior here on the uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, you can connect with us. The show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman, and always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. You can also check him out on Twitter at Elliott and the KFFSC out at KFFSC. You can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFFR. You can email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for myself, for Farrell, for both of us, for Alex, now is the time to send them. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce and our mutual friend Rob. I will bring over uh, into the show right now uh, the co-host with the most, and we will see if he has recovered from Vegas. Farrell, I see you are back in the homestead of Louisville, Kentucky. Vegas was good to you, my friend. You know, it was good to me, Balky, and I enjoyed every minute I was there. Not there for a long time, but there for a very good time. And since we're talking about it, I, I'd like to say something that, that to you that uh, is, is held in the hearts of every every player that plays in the FFPC is your contribution and the way you work during that weekend. I watched you, you weren't available because you were busy doing something that had to be done. And I was impressed at the way you moved through that uh, ballroom, the way you worked with the guys from the better sports network. I was beginning to think there were two or three of you 
uh, doing all the work, and and that doesn't include Don Erickson. So uh, thank you, Valky, for your contribution and making that weekend what it was. Appreciate well, it. L- listen, it's players like you that make it so much fun and make it possible. Uh, to just to recap, Vegas, what a time it was. Mm-hmm. We had uh, live events going on basically all day Thursday. We took a little bit of pause to have the the uh, the live um, uh, watch party going on at Planet Hollywood for the. Buccaneers and the Rams, and it was awesome to see everybody out there. Ran into so many people. I was—I can't remember who I was telling this to, but you know, I—I I just walked to get some food or to get a drink, and it would take me forty-five minutes because I run into so many people that either I—I I haven't seen in a year or I've never met before. And then we'd hang out, we'd talk football with them. It was—it was a tremendous experience. All day Friday we had um, drafts, and then uh, Friday and Saturday got a chance to hang out with Kyle L. Frank, and we uh, covered. Uh, the FFPC live events on the Better Sports Network, which shameless plug there. Uh, we have a show on there. The FFPC PC has a show called the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, not to be confused with the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. That airs Wednesday nights, 10 to 12. It's myself and a rotating guest every week. We've already had on um, uh, Jack Miller from Establish the Run. We had on Matt Schaub from Draft Sharks. We had Brian Drake from uh, the Fantasy Football Hustle this past Wednesday. Um, next week we're having Devin Knotts from football guys. So it's always fun. It's two hours. We get to break down waivers live as they come across. So make sure you're downloading that better sports network app available on Google play and the app store as well. But Farrell, thank you so much for the, uh, for the kind words. I had a blast. Vegas was awesome as, as it always is. And I'm just glad everybody had a good time. Seemingly. Um, I haven't heard any, any bad, bad parts. I just wish you could have stayed longer, but I know you had uh, family duties to get back to on Saturday and Sunday. Yes, sir, and I was well received upon my uh, upon my appearance at home. They were glad to see me. So you know, I won on both sides. All right, excellent to hear. Well, some teams won and some teams lost in mm-hmm. Week One, and it wasn't just the NFL; it was fantasy players as well. I want to get into uh, some of the fantasy flash news uh, before we get to our guest okay. in about nine minutes or so. Pro Football Network's Aaron Wilson is reporting Rondale Moore is unlikely to play Week Two against Las Vegas. Now. Before the season even started, the regular season started for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Rondale Moore had a hamstring injury, and it was not just the the um, like a first degree uh, or not a first degree. It wasn't wasn't just a casual sprain. It was a serious hamstring injury, and he might be out longer than week two. Now, um, when you talk about Rondale Moore being out, you get excited for Marquise Brown, get excited for Zach Ertz, um, maybe AJ Green, but the guy who led the Arizona Cardinals in catches, targets, routes run, and snaps was Greg Dortch. Yeah, that's right. Greg Dortch. Uh, pretty unbelievable stuff. Farrell, I don't know if you picked him up anywhere in the FFPC this past week. Are you a believer in Greg Dortch in week two if uh, Rondale Moore misses again, which looks like it's trending that way? Well, thank you for asking that question, Balky. As you well know, I am uh, imbued with support for the underdog and the little guy. and I And I am thrilled that I can exert compassionate empathy uh, for this player's involvement in the league. But, you know, this this player is a five foot seven inch wide receiver who played in a blowout loss, nine targets, seven catches. He had his career game in his first game. I remember him in the combine and, you know, he was a very humble player looking to get a start in this league. COVID uh, interfered with that for him. Uh, a Wake Forest product, which Carolina could not use, despite the fact that they were the only team that brought him in. He has competition amongst all those other players you mentioned. Uh, and he has a problem within his own team of, uh, you know, one of the Dizzle's discovery of uh, Andy Isabella. So, no, uh, this is 
this is a this player has accomplished something wonderful by making an NFL team, and the coaches uh, that gave him that opportunity need to improve the play of everyone except Dorch because this they may not be there to see the season out with him there. But you know, Balky, the guys that uh, chose him, you know, with within them lives the longing of great hearts. And, you know, I'm, I'm honored to compete with those guys. I yeah, exactly. Tell, you know, they, they're, they're giving the little guy a shot and I love it. Um, and, and which is great. I mean, that's what we want to see. I myself did not pick Dorch yeah. up in any leagues. I actually, I might have a couple of bids in him for like a dollar or two in Kentucky um, tonight, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I know I seriously, I didn't pick him up anywhere on Wednesday for sure, but uh, we shall see what happens there. Uh, let's get to a more serious discussion, and that's the Ravens' backfield. J.K. Dobbins, full participant in uh, Thursday's practice. I believe he was a full participant again today. And uh, this is good news because he practiced Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It sounds like he is going to be ready to go week two. Uh, Kenyon Drake was the guy who sort of took over for him um, with um, the majority of the touches in the Ravens' backfield, and it wasn't really great. Now, J.K. Dobbins, we, we've talked about this on this show this is a guy that I know a lot of players avoided in, in fantasy leagues because they're unsure of this knee. Um, we saw Ian Rappaport make the announcement that the Ravens weren't sure that they were going to be able to start him in week one and Dobbins, you know, clap back on that. And then look what happened. He was out for week one, but it sounds like he could be back week two. I guess the question here, Farrell is, would you be willing to start Dobbins right away when we don't know what kind of a workload he's in for on Sunday? If you drafted this player, you are all in on him because right before him went more capable running backs and right after him went more capable running backs, all of them healthy. What I don't like about this player is there's a discord uh, between the front office, between the coaches, between the training room. Nobody can agree if he's healthy. And there's other running backs there that have gathered to grab one last chance at having a career. Um, you mentioned Drake Davis is also there. Um, they had a, a, a nice little workout and broke a sweat against the New York Jets. Lamar threw for three touchdowns. Good for him. If if Dobbins was being protected for a breakout game later in the season, that was the one to keep him on the bench. Uh, Dobbins owners, I tip my hat to you. I am not one. And uh, I wish you well with your decision because I know when he sees the field, you're going to play him. I have him in one league. And it is a dynasty league, and I have some pretty good running back options there, so I'm probably going to avoid him. Um, I wish I, I should try to find his start-sit percentage, but um, it's not great this week as far as what, what people are projecting for. I'm sort of with Farrell on this. Like, if, if you got a good deal on him, then you could probably afford to sit him. But if you drafted him as your number two running back, you're probably trotting him out there in probably a less than optimal matchup. Um, even though it's at home, it's going to, it's a tough Miami defense he's going up against. So I would recommend if you could stay away, uh, please do, but you may not be able to do that. Uh, last night, what a game it was. The Chiefs and Chargers. This is what, what, what I want to see from the AFC West this year. Good football, uh, heavily competitive all the way through. Um, one of the stars of that game for the Chiefs was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He gets eight carries for 74 yards. One was a 52-yard carry late. Um, but he also got four catches for 44 yards. Now, the 118 yards that Edwards-Alaire totaled last night, that was the fourth most in his entire career. Uh, Edwards Alaire, I don't know if you saw that late play, uh, Farrell, you probably did. I was waiting for, for him to take the ball and, and switch it into one hand and then go into sprint mode. He just kept it like this the whole time, like he's a fullback, 
um, you know, plunging through the end zone. And it, it seemed like he was a little lost there. It doesn't matter. Uh, because he he, he wasn't giving that ball away. You you know what that you know what that head coach does to players who fumble. He yeah. was not losing that ball. And uh, and and I guess the thing that's probably most I mean we've been talking up Clyde edwards Lair, but probably the most concerning thing here if you are an edwards Lair owner, um, he got zero touches inside the twenty. Jarek McKinnon got three touches, including a nine yard catch for a touchdown. Um, and uh, McKinnon also got a two yard carry from the Chargers three. Now. Overall, Edwards Lair had 12 touches to McKinnon six. Uh, but if you look at what McKinnon was getting in the red zone, does that give you pause here? Edwards Lair, this is back to back good games, but I feel like this pass game uh, against the Chargers maybe was 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 made on that you know fluky 52 yard run at, at the end. And I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. How is this split going to go, Edwards Hilaire versus McKinnon? Because certainly these players were not drafted the way they were touching the ball this game for right. Kansas City. Well, it, I don't think anything was fluky about that run. It's late in the game. They gave him the ball. He used a fast uh, cutback effort to get into the secondary and run past a lot of the blitzing linebackers and get big, big yards. It's just funny the way he carried the ball. So I'll give you that. I think Edwards Hilaire has earned it. I, I like what he's done. I would be enthused about the future of this player. And, yes, this ball is going to be shared by a lot of players Kansas City Chiefs, but in most situations, they're going to score more than 27 points a game, and they're going to start scoring it in the first quarter instead of the third quarter. I would be encouraged if I was an Edwards Hilaire owner. I, I, Balky, I can't remember, was it seventh, eighth round that he had fallen that far at the yeah. live event? And, you know, so if you have him, you have uh, just one more player in your arsenal to play in week three that you, you probably thought you were drafting a, uh, a bye week fill in. Um, I, and, and I think this is, you know, it's so funny because when I was drafting in Kentucky, I feel like I was loading up on these receivers and the running backs that were always available to me were Eli Mitchell and Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards, Alaire. And I got a couple of shares of Mitchell and I was like, that's good enough. Like I, I should probably get more Edwards Alaire. And now I'm liking that for yeah. now long season. I mean, we're basically one day into week two. We'll see what happens there. Uh, speaking of week two. Michael Pittman, officially listed as questionable. I've been trying to find out if he practiced today. I know he did not practice yesterday. Uh, Frank Reich said that he's optimistic that Pittman's ready to go. Um, and and this was a midweek downgrade, which I always hate. He went from a limited to a D, limited on Wednesday to a DNP on Thursday. Um, if he does go, hey, great, you play him, no problem. If he does not go, Farrell, this is a great matchup. Granted, on the road, but it's against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know Alec Pierce is also officially out. Alec yes. Pierce is with the concussion. What about Paris Campbell in this spot? If mm -hmm. Pittman can't go and, and if Pierce can't go, I think you got to find a spot for Campbell in your flex spots, right? Yeah, I think you do. And it's, it's, uh, it's it, borrowing a term from baseball, it's Johnny Allstaff. You're going to use that whole receiving core to try to make something happen. So it's a good opportunity for players – uh, to step up that are on that depth chart. It's a good opportunity for the tight ends to step up. Naheem Hines is a player that I'm interested in. We understand that this player can line up anywhere on the field and get things done, uh, much as we've been promised that with Tony Pollard. We've also been promised that with Hines. And I think to win uh, this game in the way that the Colts want to win it, they'll have to have that kind of contribution. A heavy run game and a heavy pass game for the running back. Uh, you've got a quarterback that can – can make it work, but man, there's there's no player that I have a greater ownership percentage 
of the Michael Pittman. And as we approached the main event, I saw Michael Pittman going off in the second round there. He became too uh, expensive for me when he moved out of the middle of the third. But in all my earlier drafts, Pittman's there. And I hope I'm not left with a decision to move him to the bench. Um, I'm with you on Pittman. I ended up grabbing him um, in a lot of spots in Kentucky. And I did notice that um, he was creeping up in, in the FFPC main event. Again, tight end premium, two flexes. And all of a sudden you see Michael Pittman going in the second round there. People were very excited about drafting him this year for sure. And uh, I know they're excited about playing him in week two in a great matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Similarly, let's talk about Elvin Kamara because I don't believe he practiced. I know he didn't practice yesterday. I don't believe he practiced today either. This according to Mike Triplett, uh, his Twitter account, he covers the Saints. Um, this is uh, a guy who went from a limited practice on Wednesday to a DNP on Thursday, DNP on Friday. Um, he's dealing with a rib injury, so that sounds more like a pain tolerance. But again, I'm just speculating here. Uh, we it, This is interesting here because obviously if he doesn't go, you're not playing him. But Farrell, where does the value come in from fan, from a fantasy standpoint if Kamara can't go on on Sunday, who are we starting to take his place to get that production? The passing attack of the New Orleans Saints was absolutely off the charts uh, this past weekend. And I believe that what they don't get from Kamara in an intermediate short yardage game, we're going to see the confidence that, that from the coaching staff in Jameis Winston being able to move from uh, – uh, from handing the ball off to uh, working intermediate and short routes. And and I, I would suspect that that everyone's uh, darling, the quarterback, the tight end, what's his name, Balky, the kid from BYU? That, that, uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. You know, I, I don't. I don't know his name to keep me from drafting or picking him up because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I am uh, truly tempted. But you know, let's uh, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints quickly. Jameis Winston had the best fourth quarter of any quarterback. If you get off red zone and watch the games, which I suggest doing that on Monday to watch the cut up of the games, you will see that Winston was 14 of 16 in that fourth quarter. If he has that kind of year with the two alpha receivers of Landry and Thomas, no question that Thomas is at the best form or that at a comparable form that he's been at. And then um, what happens with the maturity around with those two players, Chris Olave, uh, New Orleans can withstand losing a player like Kamara for a short time. And, and uh, it, it depends uh, how well you built your fantasy teams. If you can withstand losing yes. Alvin Kamara for a short time, I am not that good. So I am desperate. Yes, I, hope he plays. Yes, I hope he plays on Sunday. I need him to play, um, but we'll see on that um, with Kamara. Cause I think this is something that we need to be paying attention to. Another thing that we need to be paying attention to is what tonight's guest has to say, ladies and gentlemen. He's been playing fantasy football for about a decade and a half, only recently got into the high-stakes tournaments. This is his third year in the Football Guys Players' Championship. This is his very first year in the FFPC main event. He is one half of the combo that is leading nearly 4,000 other teams in the main event heading into week two of the season, partnering with his stepfather, Gardner Parker, who put up nearly a 220-point performance in week one as they took the lead for the million dollar grand prize. Please welcome onto the show, ladies and gentlemen, Alex Elkins. Alex, the leader of the FFPC main event. Welcome aboard, man. Thank you for showing up. Hey guys, thank, thank you, you thank you. Happy thank to you. be here. Happy to be here. Um, so so this is this is interesting because the photo you sent me, you have a lovely, striking, <laughs> masculine mustache. And now it's gone. Where's the so, mustache? 
I'm doing a, I like to call this the reverse bulky here. You know, your pictures on all over the place, nice and clean shaven. You you tune into the the pod and you got the the great beard going. So yeah, the reverse well, bulky is is not a reverse. bad. It's it's not a bad fantasy football team name as well. <laughs> uh, so thank you. Um, so listen, Alex. Um, when you are not leading the FFPC main event, uh, hopefully you haven't spent the million yet. There is another 16 weeks to go in the season. But when you're not leading it, what are you doing for a living, man? Yeah, no, no trophies for uh, winning week one, but uh, I, uh, I work in finance in in Houston, Texas. So basically, I'm a, I'm a spreadsheet monkey. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Alex, what do you have your air condition turned to in September in Houston, Texas? Uh, we're we're on full blast right now. You're, you're blasting it out. Very, Another very ninety plus degree day with hundred. God bless you. You know, uh, in the heat of this summer. Um, I drafted one team. I tried to think about what I did that was comparable to your experience. Um, and I drafted one football guy's team that was not a slow draft because, you know, as a slow Southerner, that's how I like moving. Those drafts were made for me. But on July 4th, didn't have anything to do, decided I would draft online. It was fast draft. I was very, very unhappy with the team at the end. I felt rushed in making my decisions. Um out of all my football guys' teams, that team scored the most fantasy points this past weekend. How did you walk away from either the computer or the table? Were you in Las Vegas or were you drafting from home? We were drafting from home. Okay. Um, when, you, when, you, when you guys turned off the computer, you and Mr. Gardner Parker, how would you feel about it? I mean, kind of similar similar to you, you know, you do feel a little rushed in those drafts. And now he's in first place. I love it. Yeah, but, but picking, picking from the sixth spot, I think that always makes it a little bit easier. You can devise a, a strategy a little bit easier. Kelsey's probably going to be there if you want to start with Kelsey. And if not, you got your pick of, you know, three or four top wide receivers. So we did go with Kelsey there um, in round one, and then we're able to kind of round it out and, and do that chief stack that paid off really well in week one. I think we got Juju in the fourth and Mahomes in the sixth. So we were happy with that element um, of it. I think one complaint we'd have is not a lot of kind of young running backs there that are going to pop up at the end of the season, but you got to get your upside one way or another. And yes. we, drafted, we drafted Saquon and Michael Thomas. So that's another way you grab those guys who, you know, been injury prone, had some bad years and, Hope that you catch them on that season where they where they get back to their true form. I should mention too, uh, this is Alex's only FFPC main event yeah. team, and it's in first place overall. So impressive stuff there. I got the draft board up here that I'm I'm, I'm looking at, Alex. How do you, so now the way that Gardner was was making it seem when we were exchanging emails, he made it seem like you do all the waiver wire work, the lineup submission, the draft, and and you just bounce ideas off him. Is that sort of the partnership? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, um, he, he's kind of, uh, he's, he's a bit of the bankroll in, uh, the sounding board there. So, uh, we definitely, you know, talk throughout it, but I kind of, I do, uh, I do the brain work. We'll put it that way. Got it. Uh, (laughs) makes sense. Now, speaking of brain work, we're going to ask you something here. Michael Thomas, kind of a polarizing guy in drafting season. A lot of people said, Oh, look, he, he looks great. I'm listening to the beat writers are saying he's moving well. He's cutting. He's looking like like doing everything that he was pre-injury. You guys got a pretty good deal on him, I believe, in this draft. You got him, yeah, mid-fifth round as the 28th receiver off the board. He gets in the end zone twice. Should Michael Thomas owners be expecting more of this going forward? I mean, obviously not two touchdowns every week, but this type of production, and, and you know, it, for lack of a better question here, 
is Michael Thomas back, Alex? You know, I, I think you can expect Michael Thomas, maybe not 100% back, but 85, 90% back to what he was in the fifth round. That's still a hell of a deal. And last week it started a little ugly. Uh, I think he was, he had a, a donut through the first half, but those two touchdowns help and him and Jameis kind of started clicking there in the second half. So I think if uh, it, it seems like Dennis Allen's trying to unleash Jameis a little bit more than Sean Payton was last year, I think he threw 35, 34, 35 attempts week one compared to the like 23 he was averaging last year. So as long as Jameis keeps slinging the ball and uh slant boy stays healthy, I think he's going to keep producing at, at a pretty high level unearthed and unleashed as a guest host on uh, some of our fantasy football uh, content this summer was a guy named Dave Tripoli. And Dave Tripoli's got some very good words of wisdom, very good player. Uh, he's about your age when you say balky. And Dave yeah. Turp, uh, congratulations. Things are happening for him this fall that we'll, we'll let him talk about later. But one of the things he said haunted me. Every time I looked at the draft board and I, I could – Running back was a good fit, and I looked at Miles Sanders. All I could hear was Dave Turp saying no touchdowns, zero touchdowns for Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders uh, had a better start to this year, uh, and so did his Philadelphia Eagles scoring a lot of points. You have Sanders and Juju Smith-Schuster. Are you finding that before the bye week start, that with a good roster that you obviously have, do you set – and go through the idea of who you're going to start, who you're going to set. Did you ever have Sanders in the lineup? Because Sanders would have given you more points than Schuster. And I, I think is what we watched last night, um, perhaps the Schuster will be a proverbial work in progress. Your thoughts about Sanders this weekend and uh, what, what led you to drafting? Because Dave Turp uh, certainly uh, got in my head and I wouldn't draft him. Yeah, I mean, sure. I think, I mean, at his ADP, I think he was just a great value pick. Like, he had been falling too far, and you saw that with the efficiency he had in week one. Seven and a half yards per carry. The guy's five yards per carry for his career. He's always been pretty efficient, and, you know, I'll acknowledge yards per carry can be a bogus stat sometimes, but I feel like, you know, especially the, the lack of touchdown hate that guys like Miles Sanders gets and you look at Melvin Gordon his rookie year. I remember him getting a ton of hate for getting zero touchdowns. But if you're a good running back on a good team, the way these two guys are, and you know what you're getting when you go in and draft them, you're not going to be upset. So for Sanders, you know, Hertz is going to carry the ball, carried it 15-plus times. Gamewell's going to be passing down work. You know, we hear it all. They're going to pepper in uh, Boston Scott. But at the end of the day, right, he's the run, uh, running back one, on a great offense behind probably the best offensive line in the NFL right now. So on top of that, the Eagles are a team I'm excited to watch. They were exciting week one. And I think their left tackle, uh, Jordan Mailata, he's got one of the coolest NFL stories since yes. like So I'm just excited to see, you know, that O-line and, and Miles Sanders continue to match this year. Yeah, I think the Eagles offense is, is a little bit underrated this year. And I think it's um, it, there's a non-zero chance that we're talking about them being a top five NFL offense at the end of the season. You obviously got a great deal on Miles Sanders in the eighth round. We're talking with Alex Elkins, the leader in the FFPC main event after one week of play in 2022. Another guy that I think you got a pretty good bargain on if week one is any guide. Cordero Patterson. It looks like he can return big time value. Um, you got him at the 906, the 37th running back 
off the board in your main event draft. When you looked at Patterson, when you looked at all the players that were available in the ninth round there, can you tell us what, what was it about Patterson, that about his game that you liked this year when seemingly nobody or, or so many FFPC players were not giving him credit for what he put up last year? Right, yeah. So, I mean, I do have to say, I don't think anyone, me included, was expecting quite the type of usage that we that we got week one. Like, over the summer, the they, they drafted a new guy. They signed Damian Williams. And throughout the course of last year, like, Cordero, Cordero was really effective as that, like, kind of slash guy, getting those unique looks out of the backfield and, you know, in the, you know, in the flats and all that in the beginning of the year. But as they used him more and more as a traditional running back, he def- his efficiency dipped down, and that was – I was worried about that when I drafted him, if they're going to run him out there like a normal running back this year with all this new competition that he has. I didn't know if it was going to really pay off, but I mean, that's what they did week one. Damian Williams did get hurt, which probably added to it a little bit. Um, But the saints are a pretty good run defense and he looked incredible. So I I'm pretty excited about Cordero. He also won me my first ever uh, championship back in 13 his rookie year when he had that, monster run in the playoffs so i'm i'm excited to own him and hopefully this continues this usage being deep in the heart of texas how long have you been a deonta foreman fan um so i went to ut so <laughs> I, I knew I, it. i've watched a lot of uh, a lot of foreman uh, in person a lot of foreman on on tv um and yeah can't not be a fan of a of a fellow longhorn well, you, you know, we were we were talking about this in in Kentucky uh, at, at our draft, and I, I never broached the subject with anyone in Las Vegas. But uh, someone said that you have to have a, a crystal ball to predict what McCaffrey is going to do, and 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 I said, no, you have to have Google because he's missed twenty three <laughs> of the last thirty three games, History and that's much. right yeah. there. If you Google him and say missed games, that's what you get. So uh, when when you find that McCaffrey does eventually return to the bench with some ailment, will you aggressively start Foreman? Is is he your guy? I think that's the question I want to ask because I too have been a Foreman fan and he has been, his career has somewhat been misguided and I expect perhaps a, a late blooming opportunity for him. I always thought he should have more career than he's had. Yeah, I mean, I view him as one of those elite handcuffs, and obviously, you're just taking shots when you're when you're drafting a guy like that. But how late did you go? Did you recall how late to get him? Oh, I think. He, well, it doesn't matter. It was late. It was yeah. It was quite late. He was he was definitely down there uh, on the tail end of the draft. I think round fifteen is is where I got him. So he, yep. I mean, last year similar situation with Derrick Henry. He was. He's a, kind of an elite handcuff. I thought he looked really good. He averaged like 15 points a game those weeks that he started at the end of the season last year. And he looked a little – he looked explosive, kind of like he did um, back in back in Texas when we were down 30 points and they're running running back draws on, on third and 20 and letting him – Yes, sir. Rack First up the King yards and, yes, and win, the, win the Doak Walker. But I think that raises a, a really interesting point. You know, he's one of those former Achilles injury guys. We have quite a few kind of – I would call them swing players this year who are coming back from that injury. And that's, it's a really hard thing to gauge because historically that's been a running back killer. Right. And, yes. you know, you've got Cam Akers, you have James Robinson. I think everybody had that backwards thinking Akers, 
you know, was totally healed and James Robinson was going to lack a lot of that explosiveness that he had. But I think it's been eight and a half months since Robinson ruptured his. He came back, looked incredible last week, and we all saw what happened with, with Akers. I think he's probably the running back three in Los Angeles right now. So I think that this injury is just such a it's just such a, a toss up. Uh, a bold, a bold statement, Balky. Did you hear Elkins <laughs> drop in a little Doak Walker reference there? I mean, there, there's a guy from Texas. Now, now, well, oh, yeah, yeah. The old Doak Walker reference. Yeah. You don't get that every podcast. That's uh, nice. I, and it's the first time I can remember it on this podcast in, in quite some time, um, <laughs> if ever. Um, speaking we talked of, about Walker winning the Doak. No, who won the Doak Walker? Never mind. It, okay, we, yeah. we've talked about it. We we we've yeah we've talked I guess we have mentioned it but it's always in the reference of the the college football re- uh, award at least in my recollection. Um, speaking of Texas here, uh, Hudson Kern Reeve, our resident uh, Ivy League uh, professor, uh, he wants to know. Now I know you're in Houston. Are you from Houston, Alex? I am. Yeah, I'm from. Okay. Houston. All right. Well, he says, and and I I hope I'm pronouncing this right. He says an Abilenian says hi because he's from Abilene. Yeah. Um, I believe go. I got that right. I could. While you have Hudson Kern Reeve, just while you have his attention, Bulky, I want to slip something in here. Sure. Welcome him back to the show. Hudson, here it is. I wish you would have been here to get it in person, but it's very safekeeping for you. Your third place finish from last year. Go ahead, Bulky. Uh, and by the way, welcome back Hudson Reeve to the show as, as he was, uh, was under the, I guess I'll just say he was under the weather. Uh, for for a few weeks and he is back and ready to go glad to see him made my night when i saw him in the chat room tonight so welcome back hudson for sure um all right so let's talk about wandale robinson because this is a player that i don't know i'm just looking at your team here i don't think you oh you do have him in this league and i feel like alex you have him in several leagues of your ffpc leagues this year wandale robinson at what point do you think he becomes a guy that we can look at starting or at least flexing out in the league in, in our fantasy leagues this year. Yeah. Well, you know, the knee injury he, he got uh week one certainly doesn't help, but if, as long as he comes back in the next couple of weeks, I think after week nine or so, you've seen all these rookie wide receivers the last couple of the year, they're cheat codes at the end of the season. They really just start exploding. And especially for, for Wandale and the giants wide receiving room, it's just totally wide open. Um, Galladay is is so stiff. Somebody at training camp said he looked like a mannequin, which yeah. which is hilarious. <laughs> That's one of, the, one of the best things I've ever heard. Um, Sterling I mean, Shepard, one-armed yeah. mannequin. <laughs> yeah, Sterling Shepard. Uh, I think he just had an Achilles injury, um, and Kadarius Tony. Who knows? Who knows what's going on there? You saw what he did with that one catch he got last week, and he looks incredible. But the coaches must hate him. Um, I think he's injured again, and. The allure of Tony, it's it's kind of crazy. He could he could it's 50-50. He could be one of the best players in the league at the end of the year, or it could be completely out of the NFL. And neither would really surprise me. So <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I read a stat today, the personal stuff notwithstanding. Uh his career is 19 games so far. He's been on the injury report for 14 of those 19 games. And in the five games he wasn't injured going in, he left two of them early uh with injury. So Unless that changes, there's really no competition for for Wandale once he's back. Uh, Richie James led the Giants in targets last week, so I think uh, I think he's got a good shot. That said, it's probably going to be all Saquon all the time in New York. Uh, but if he comes back and can show us something, show us anything really, he could be a contributor down the stretch. You, you talk about last year a little bit, and this is your first year in the FFPC. 
and you haven't been introduced to playing in Kentucky yet, although we will let you know that there's nonstop flights from Houston to Louisville. We'll get to that later. But I must ask you about this, and this is like kind of like a two-part question. Where did you earn your fantasy football chops? And I understand that you've got an NFL veteran that plays in one of your uh, – plays in one of your family leagues you want to shine some light or commentary yeah, on that? yeah that's a it's a great story so uh maurice jones drew is in our our family league we i have three siblings myself my stepdad has three kids of his own so we have a couple cousins a couple other family members in a, a, a fantasy football family league we've been doing for about 13 years now and um yeah my stepdad and uh my mom my stepdad is my main event partner here they met they're at some event in um, in the wine country in California about eight years ago. And Maurice and his wife happened to be at the same table as them. They were, you know, getting along, chatting. And um, our kind of face football group text started popping off with some trash talk. And Maurice was interested and was, you oh, know, yeah. He'll be started asking about it. He loves fantasy football. It was like, I got my own talk show and just asked, can I join the league? So, of mm-hmm. course, you, gotta, you have to say yes to that and this is the interesting part this was when he was still with the jags when they had this discussion and he signed with the raiders that that next year um so as we're drafting he's on the raiders as a new member of the league we gave him the first overall pick he made time you know in training camp and everything to to make the draft and um i don't remember what his adp was that year but moving teams he was in probably sixth seventh round something like that but of course he's at he's got the one-on-one and he picks himself which is awesome right See, and there's that crystal ball working right there. Yeah, yeah. Maurice is actually his biggest regret about football is that he couldn't play cornerback because it would have given him a chance to talk more smack. He really, <laughs> really in his heart is a cornerback. And how has he finished in the leagues in in previous years? How has Maurice done? Oh, I don't know if I can put this out there in the. Public. Well, I think I'll go ahead and put it out there. He's just been just damn awful, has he not? <laughs> is, you know, is that is that essentially what he's done? I, uh, I can say I don't think he's made the playoffs quite yet. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Thank you. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, I, I I give him this. He goes and gets his guys, or in this case, gets himself <laughs> yeah. at the one on one. God bless him. God bless him. You know what? And I'll tell you this, I, I was never an elite athlete like MJD was, but I'll tell you this, if I was, I'd be taking myself at the one-on-one even after I retired, you know, just, 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 just to make sure covering all my bases, I would definitely be doing that. So that's awesome. Great story. Uh, exactly. Sure. Maurice yeah. He, he explained it one time too. And he said like, you can't make it in the NFL and be as successful as he was without having that kind of alpha mentality. You got to pick yourself one-on-one. Um, yeah. But he, being as close to the league as he is, he has had some pretty great crystal ball picks that I take and copy my other leagues. Like Darren Waller, for instance, he drafted him really early in 19 before he broke out. And that was a great call. So what was is uh, besides the Darren Waller pick, have you, have you ever learned anything from him or found anything out prior to your leagues that you used to your advantage? You know? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, especially when Raiders related, if uh, the quarterback would get dropped and a backup would get picked up or backup tight end, I'm like, okay, somebody's not playing this week, you know? Right. Let's let's make uh, moves accordingly. But yeah, it's he he uh, he definitely, like you said, he picks himself and he picks his guys. So it is good to kind of keep a beat on what he's doing and try and copy some of that in my other leagues. Um, let's get to a couple of emails here, uh, Alex. Uh, first one comes from Rick in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've thought about benching Mike Evans this week because historically. Does pretty poorly against Marshawn Lattimore. Am I overthinking it? 
The other guy I would be putting in for my football guys team is Jerry Judy. Thanks, Alex. That's Rick in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, one of the things, and I'll answer this before you get a chance to, Alex. One of the things I've always said on the show, I am not a man. I am a weak individual. I am not a good human being. And I am not strong enough to bench Mike Evans for Jerry Judy this week. That's my, my opinion. That's just the way I'm built. It's the way I'm wired. It's the way I came onto this planet. And it's the way I'm going to leave this planet. I can't do it. Would you be able to start Jerry Judy over Mike Evans on Lattimore week for the Bucks? I mean, if they ever had a lab, which its sole purpose was creating the perfect individual to catch touchdowns, they'd spit out Michael Thomas. So, yep. Or sorry, excuse me, Mike, Mike Evans. Mike Mike Evans. Evans. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my answer there. Yeah, you can't can't pinch Mike Evans, especially right. Mike Godwin. Farrell, are you are you of the same uh, opinion as us that you got to play Evans this week over Judy? I am, especially with what's going on with the other receivers in Tampa and how the team uh, did not really click offensively despite uh, the outcome of their first game. So I think it's a uh, I think it's a great idea to start Evans now. Our our emailer must have a wonderful wide receiving core if if it's if he has Judy on his bench he would be curious to look at his roster another time maybe he should consider judy over another player my guess is he went zero rb and maybe zero te as well especially <laughs> if, if it's a football guys team i would imagine or maybe he loaded up on tight ends i don't know it, it you can go either way on this um ryan in salisbury maryland was tonight's game this is last night an outlier for Juju Smith-Schuster, or is it just going to be hit or miss from him all season in Kansas City? Thank you for the email and for watching Ryan in Salisbury, Maryland. Um, Alex, I, I think Patrick Mahomes kind of clued us in on this before the season started. He's like, look, uh, I'm going to be spreading the ball around, and he has. Uh, Smith-Schuster had, I, I want to say, like six for like 80. Week one, yep. last night he gets like three or three or four catches or whatever it was for not very much yardage. Ten yards or something. Ten, yeah. yeah, exactly. Is this what, what you're expecting the rest of the season, just hit and miss? You know, I'm. I think it'll be a little bit hit or miss, especially since Juju runs some of the same routes that Kelsey does, and Sky Moore, if he ever gets a little more usage, they're all kind of those intermediate route kind of guys. But I think the way people confused and kind of sterilized the Chiefs a little bit last year was playing two safeties deep and you know not letting them take the top off on anybody. So if teams are gonna do that and and dare Mahomes to kind of pick them apart, as as long as he's patient and does what he's supposed to do and doesn't do any of those desperation heaves that we saw him do a little bit last year, I can see in a PPR league, Judy or Juju doing just fine, catching five five to six balls a game and, you, you know, a touchdown or two here or there and, and doing just fine. Exactly. I think that's a very accurate assessment, Balky. And, and, and Alex, you know, they're not going to play a team that's got a pass rush like the Chargers every week. Uh, this is a the, the Chargers. What they did in in their defensive front seven through free agency in the draft has been very impressive and showing on the field. And we're going to see a different kind of uh, defensive sets that Kansas City will enjoy playing against as we move on. So I'm I'm uh, still very bullish on Schuster. Um, Farrell, with that, I am fresh out of emails for Alex, so it is on you, my friend. Oh, buddy, this is a question I get to ask all year, but it takes on so much importance once the season starts because we can talk about lineup, and it's not about who you're going to draft and who you're going to avoid. It's who you're going to put in your lineup this week 
And I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear that you're starting uh, Saquon Barkley. I want you to tell us about a guy that you're that you've had some considerations with, and then a guy that everyone else will be playing that you absolutely will not. Okay, yeah, I think uh, to the detriment of my JD McKissick shares, I think my answer for the guy I'm gonna want to get in my lineups is Curtis Samuel. Um, mm-hmm. His usage was insane. He got eight carries. Um, it looked like he was almost a focal point of the offense at times. They were feeding him like I think three touches in a row at one point, and yep. he looked pretty great. He looked nasty in the open field, kind of like he did back in Carolina. And it's kind of been years now since he's been healthy and effective, but as long as he's out there and getting that usage, I think he has to be in flex consideration for sure. Kind sure. of uh, shades of Percy Harvin there a little bit is what it reminded me of. And what about a player that uh, that you are – Maybe a player that, and, and I always hesitate to say like, oh, first or second round pick because not a lot of people are sitting their first or second round pick, but maybe a player that you think a lot of FFPC players are going to be starting this week that you think is a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of easy ones there, but those those aren't fun. Like Damian Pierce, Allen Robinson, those are guys I think you might want to wait on. But I, think I got a good one for you. I, I got a good one for you, and I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt, but it's so no, good no. I got to interrupt because I know that you've got your Miles Sanders. Devonta Smith. Are you starting? Ooh. And yeah, I have I have this uh, dilemma in a couple leagues. I think I still am. I liked what I saw from Philadelphia's offense. I think that he's going to get the ball and he'll, you know, do a little bit more. And it won't just be the AJ Brown show. Although that's a great show, I enjoyed watching it. But if I had to pick one other guy, I think it would be, and not not the player's fault here. It'd be Brandon Ayuk, just because I got to see a little bit more from Trey Lance as a passer. It's not. Not as much Ayuk as it is Lance. I know weather was a concern there, but I I didn't like what I saw from from Lance as a passer in Week One. So I think that's Ayuk's the guy I'm gonna have to wait and see a little bit more from the QB before I can feel confident throwing him in a lineup. In looking at your main event team, Alex, here um, it, it seems like you got some, in my opinion, some tough decisions right now. You have Miles Sanders on the bench. You have Tyler Lockett uh, on the bench. Hayden Hurst and Logan Thomas, who had some pretty good weeks last week for tight ends. You have them on the bench. Um, and then we don't know about Kamara, but Mark Ingram would suddenly become a flex-worthy type guy if Kamara misses. Have, what's, what's been the, the decision so far? Because so far it's been Kirk and Michael Thomas. Juju Smith-Schuster is obviously locked in there. Mike Evans. And then you got the Magic Cord uh, and Saquon Barkley in there as well. Are any of those guys on your bench, are you still considering any of them for a flex play on Sunday? You know, if I had a time machine, I would go back and put Miles Sanders in for Juju, like you guys asked earlier week two. But I think we're pretty set right now. I like what I saw from Christian Kirk a lot. And you can't really – can't sit Mike Evans or Mike Thomas after after what they did in week one. So I think you better we're, make the right moves because you're sitting in num- you're number one and, you know, you can click on your team name and we can all see your lineup. Very so, you know, everybody's yeah, right. looking up at you. It's tough, target, you know, target on me. Well, after that after week one, and you know, I'm I'm very proud of you, and I'll just give you a little advice. You know, get MJD on the phone and see what he would do. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you, go. There you know, I think he's still in the player pool in the FFPC, so you can probably pick him up for a dollar on waivers Sunday morning. Too. Um, all right, so listen. Last thing I'll say before we say goodbye to you, I, I know uh, MJD Maurice Jones Drew. I know he's trying to make it in this biz. He's, you know, just on the NFL network right now. He does some color commentary for the Rams. You know, the 2011 leading rusher in the NFL, three-time All-Pro. I know he's trying to make a name for himself. 
I'm willing to throw him a bone. If he ever wants to come on this show, we'd be happy to have him on for a segment. You want to pass that on to him? That's totally up to you. But I, I will just, I would just let him like, look, you know, I'm clearly the most massive celebrity you'll ever meet in fantasy football. And if of MJD course. wants to ride my coattails, I'm happy to have <laughs> him do that for sure. Um, everyone is riding your coattails right now as you are leading the entire FFPC main event, heading into week two, the chase for a million dollars. Alex Elkins, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Good luck in all your leagues, but especially this main event league the rest of the way. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight, man. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Alex Elkins, ladies and gentlemen, the leader in the FFPC main event, and I'm sure he's dominating MJD in his uh, home <laughs> league that he participates in as well. I th- I, I mean, Farrell, I have that's so bizarre. I know Maurice Jones, you obviously it's clear. He loves fantasy. I mean, he's been on, yes. you know, Sirius XM fantasy sports radio. He does a ton of fantasy stuff, but to just be at some, you know, Catalina wine mixer, wherever he was, it's like, Oh, they're talking back here. Fantasy. I'd love to join that league to, to do well, that is just, just blows my mind, but I guess well, maybe it shouldn't. You're known by the company you keep and this, uh, this uh, Gardner Parker who we're yet to meet, uh, maybe a very pleasant guy that you'd want to be associated with, Bucky. So yeah. maybe when we have the next show, we'll have both of them on. That would be tremendous. I, I would love that. And, and maybe when they're winning the million bucks, we'll have, we'll yes. have Alex, we'll have Gardner, and we'll have MJD on. You and, know they'll have a financial plan for it. None of our yes. questions of what you're going to do with the money. That would be in a whole another show. Yeah, know? it absolutely would. It absolutely would. Um, we're going to help some people right now with okay. some uh, start set questions as we navigate through the fantasy feedback portion of the show, uh, Corey in Wallingford, Connecticut. Hey, Farrell and Balky. I went zero RB and got some good options to fall to me. As a result, I am facing some tough lineup decisions each week. Would you roll with Chase Edmonds in Baltimore or David Montgomery Sunday night in Green Bay? Thank you so mm. much. That is Corey in Wallingford, Connecticut. Farrell, I believe the Montgomery – first of all, I, I think um, both these defenses are pretty good, rush defenses, Baltimore and, and Green Bay. Um, these are both road games for both these guys. Um, I think Herbert looked pretty good against the Niners, and and I think he's pretty good overall, and, and that would concern me a little bit. I know you love Mostert, but I like Edmonds a little bit more um, in Baltimore than I do David Montgomery going against that Packers defense Sunday night. Bucky, that is why you are the number one man in fantasy broadcasting. Now, now, I think our emailer here might have some investment in uh, perhaps the Bears as a Bears fan, or maybe he just wants to watch the Sunday night game. Uh, Montgomery's got a lot of elements against him, including uh, you mentioned the backup Herbert. Um, He'll do better. He ran the ball 17 times this past week, and, and you know, he has the weather to to talk about as well. I think one of the biggest elements against him is the quarterback play there in Chicago. But we don't have to talk about what Montgomery is. We can talk about what Edmonds is. And Edmonds is the leading. With all that talent in Miami, uh, Edmonds has 16 touches uh, this past week. And it was on the field for 65% of the plays. And, yes, we do love Raheem Mostert. But Raheem Mostert would need to cede to this player. Chase Edmonds, a very good player. And if it is the tough um, defense that he will be working up against, he'll do the same thing uh, that that the running backs did for the New York Jets, catch multiple passes. Last week, Chase Edmonds with four catches. Look for him to expand on that number this week. He'll reward the fantasy players who have him in their lineup. Um, I, so, so we're both of the same mind there with, yes. with Edmonds over Montgomery. Um, let's go to the next one here. And it is from, uh, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin in Philadelphia. 
What's up, guys? Which, rece re which receiver should I start this week? Brandon Ayuk hosting Seattle or Amari Cooper at home against the Jets. Thank you, Kevin, in Philadelphia for watching and for emailing. We just heard uh, Alex talk a little bit about Ayuk and, and saying that he's probably holding him out in his lineups. Um, I, I, you know, Amari Cooper against the Jets, I, I would feel a lot more comfortable starting him over Brandon Ayuk this week for a lot of the reasons that Alex just mentioned, Carol. As you should. And, you, you know, you can't postpone everything. Uh, you know, the 49ers are now living in the in the Trey Lance era, and God bless them. Uh, I think it might be the fandom demise of our beloved Drew Maselli. But, uh, you know, he struggled mightily. He'll have the excuse. He'll have the excuse of uh, the weather in Chicago. I think he also – had the chance of, despite his ineffective play, of delivering a win if the defensive coaches would have quit putting pressure on fields and tried to defend fields in the pocket. But that's last week's game. The question is about this week's game. There's a there's a, a field of thought that says that Trey Lance is erratic with the intermediate and short game, so he's going to let the ball fly to Ayuk down the field, which, if you know, if you can't hit a receiver short, what makes you think you can hit him down the field? Uh, it's, I'm rooting for Lance. I'm not a fan. Now that the draft's over, you know, I, I want him to, uh, like I root for all players to advance in his career, but I think we're going to have a struggling year. That brings us to Cooper. And the question is probably generated because Cooper did so little last week, but I'll remind, uh, the emailer that he drew a PI in the end zone that, uh, that hunt then turned into a touchdown. Um, uh, yes, this is, uh, you know, this is a type of game that we're going to see a little bit more from from Cooper. Uh, Peoples Jones with six solid catches uh, last week, and, and most importantly, uh, a team that's starting a quarterback that's had difficulties as a starter putting wins on the board uh, just went on the road and got one. So there's good things happening in Cooper. Yeah, and and I will say this, not because we're all and Hudson Kern Reeve also weighing in that he likes Cooper best uh, as well. Um, but the, the thing they keep in mind, you bring up people's Jones. He actually almost had twice as many targets as mm -hmm. Cooper did last week. Mm -hmm. uh, people's Jones, six catches on 11 targets. Amari Cooper, three catches on six targets uh, this past week. We're both saying, um, but uh, Cooper, but I, I think both of us are kind of lowering our expectations for both receivers uh, in week two this week. Uh, next email here is from uh, Dave in San Diego. I can only fit one of these tight ends into my FFPC lineup for week two. Is it Tyler Higby mm. the Falcons or Albert Okawepanam coming back to Denver to take on the lowly Texans defense? Appreciate any advice you can give me. That is Dave in San Diego. Now, Tyler Higby got a lot of targets. I thought he had a solid game on, on Thursday night at the, as we we're watching it in, in Las Vegas at the FFPC watch party. Um, but I think this week, especially with Sean McVay's comments, saying that he wants to get Allen Robinson more involved. They need to more uh, – he used the word intentionality, I think, it, it, something I never even knew was a word before. But he said – California word. Is a California word. That's why I don't know it. I'm not from mm -hmm. California. I don't – you know. Um, so intentionality, that's what they're going to utilize to try to get Robinson more involved this week. I think they are going to try that, and I think it comes at the at the expense not of Cooper Cup but of Tyler Higby. I think Higby's solid, but I like Okawepanam this week. I think that's the guy I would be playing here over Tyler Higby. This is the best question we've had so far because this is challenging in two ways. Balky, while you were working the room in your elegant style there at the viewing party, uh, 
I was watching you and watching the game. And Tyler Higby had a, um, a miserable uh, game. He he could not catch the ball. But what he did look good doing, because uh, I think three drops, Balky, I think three very difficult drops, but he moved very well. And I was happy to see that. There's just a, a, so many um, – so many targets in this offense and so many requirements at the tight end position. But uh, Higby gave me reason to hope just based on his athleticism and how he looked. He's a player that's no longer hurt. When we go to Uncle Albert, um, what we saw is they put 16 points on the board for Denver is the tremendous potential. And um, I can't say that, that, uh, Albert was was targeted or featured in this offense, but he did come away with six point uh, six receptions. Very very important important for us in the FFPC. But there's a lot of guys uh, posing as tight ends out here, especially the H back Beck, yeah. who is listed as a running back but looks more like a tight end and actually lines up some in the slot. Plus he's in motion. There's just a lot of things going on with this Denver team. So I would. You need to look at the Atlanta. You need to look at what kind of history you can have Atlanta against the tight end uh, to see how you want to handle in that Rams game. But, uh, yeah, this is a tough question. And and I think at the end of the day, you're, you're going to get perhaps similar production, but you're going to get it in a much different way. Maybe Higby around the goal line with a team that is likely to be in the red zone more and run it less would be your play here. Higby did see 11 targets last week, but but as I said, I, I think that number comes down and Allen Robinson's goes up next week. Higby only caught five of those targets, as you point out. I didn't realize the drops. My God, uh, that's terrible. And then uh, Albert Okoweppen on five catches out of the six targets he saw as well. So it's going to be tough to pick the right one, but hopefully both of them do uh, well for you. Dave in San Diego, Travis in San Jose, sticking with the California state of mind here. I picked Trey Lance as my league-winning selection this year, but now I'm not so sure he's going to be one. Would you play him this week at home against the Seahawks over Aaron Rodgers getting the Bears in Green Bay? Thank you, Travis in San Jose. I'll post something um, from uh, from our uh, from our guy uh, ML in the chat room right here in, in YouTube, and he thinks that the rain, the slop, the swamp, whatever was going on in Chicago, uh, that was a pretty big reason for what Trey Lance did. Um, he's not letting that game affect his his, um, oh. his previous expectations of Lance. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. when you look at Lance versus Rodgers, Farrell, um, Lance obviously big upside, but Rodgers I think is in for a bounce back this week. Really difficult to see the Packers going 0-2. I think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and quite frankly, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, I think all these guys have big games. Rodgers is, is the play here for me over Lance. Easy and Travis, there's some other things that we'll advise you on. Um, come in out of the rain. That's one. This is, is good. Use headlights if you're driving at night. Don't send money to Nigerian royalty. These are things, and do not play Trey Lance over Aaron Rodgers. These are four tenants to take you through life. Uh, it's going to lead to uh, some success, but hey. I'm not neutral on Trey Lance. I'm, I'm, I think that it will come, but did you want to risk your fantasy season uh, by drafting Trey Lance? That's what I didn't understand about the drafters. But, hey, maybe he got Rodgers at a bargain price, and you'll get big. Rodgers uh, came at a bargain price in a lot of drafts you know, this year. So that, that's a plan, you know. But the plan is to play Rodgers this weekend and forthcoming other weeks. 
Um, final email we have tonight. It comes from Randy and Buffalo. Dear HSFFR, after investing a third round pick in the Travis Etienne, I was not thrilled to see what James Robinson did last week. Should I bench ETN now? I would be doing it for Adam Thielen on Monday night in Philly. So that's his question. Uh, thanks for putting this podcast out. He writes Randy in Buffalo. Thank you for the email, Randy. Um, Travis Etienne this week uh, has Indianapolis at home. Adam Thielen is on the road in Philadelphia. What, how, how much, well, I should ask you this, Farrell. This probably answers the question. How much are you changing your pre-draft evaluation on Travis Etienne after what you saw from James Robinson on Sunday? No, it's still the same thing. Etienne uh, will have to be used more to take the burden off the quarterback to make this team successful. Uh, Robinson, I drafted everywhere. A lot of people doubted Robinson's ability to get healthy, but once they said he was healthy, this is one of my favorite players in the league. But Etienne is too. I, the, the, the emailer, uh, I will remind him how he felt when he drafted Etienne. He shouted it out. And and how he probably with Thielen was not an exciting thing as he drafted the 32-year-old possession receiver. Travis Etienne has the, we talk about a ceiling, he has the highest ceiling of a lot of players in the NFL. Be proud to keep Etienne in your lineup. You're going to see a different type of player. Don't be bothered by the fact that Robinson is on the field. Robinson is going to do his thing. Etienne will have to do it too for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be competitive. And I, I didn't watch that entire game um, from Washington, but I, I would say that the, the coaches made some mistakes. There was probably some matchup issues. Quarterback got confused down in distance. Some things conspired to keep Etienne away from the ball. That's not going to happen much this season. Um, I'm with you. I'm going to play Etienne over Thielen. Uh, Dave Terpoli somewhere is just, you know, banging his head against the table. Why is this even a question? Obviously, it's going to be ETN. You got to play ETN every single week, no matter what. That's what he's saying. He's um, right but, about that. Yeah, that's and, good. And um, and so we're. All, I, I guess if Turf was on, it would be a a trio of votes for Travis ETN over Adam Thielen. Ladies and gentlemen, this will complete tonight's broadcast. I want to thank Alex Elkins. And I want to thank uh, Farrell Elliott for hopping aboard. Farrell, we will continue to follow you on Twitter and the KFFSC on Twitter, and of course, check out the KFFSC at KFFSC.com. Had a blast there uh, again in late August. Looking forward to managing my teams this year. I got some decent ones. And uh, we'll do this again next Friday. Same bad time, same bad channel. See you then, Bucky. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Joining us on the program tonight, Alex Elkins, the leader in the FFPC main event after week one. Want to shout out to him as well as Rob, my uh, uh our mutual friend and uh, our producer, and of course, audio engineer, my best friend, Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for listening, viewing, and uh, hanging out with us uh, once again as we get back on our Friday night schedule. We will be back next Friday at 10, 9 Central, guest TBD. However, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown will be back this coming Tuesday. I believe we are going live at 9.30 with the Guilds, Andrew Geller will be uh, Tuesday night's guest, so be paying attention to that. That'll be on the FFPC YouTube channel as well as Twitter and Facebook. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified of all our upcoming videos when we post them here on the FFPC YouTube channel. Good luck in week two. Remember waivers process Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you have any 
uh, waivers you want to get in based on these injury reports that came in today. We didn't talk about George Kittle, but that dude, um, I believe, is listed as questionable. He came back in practice today, but he's not looking great. Might want to look at another tight end like I had to in week one uh, to try to figure things out there and much more. So make sure that you are taking care of that, and I hope the ball bounces your way in week two. With that, ladies and gentlemen, your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Not that I want to leave you on a somber note tonight, but one thing that showed up in my Facebook feed, you know, you always get the, your updates on, um, you know, friends' birthdays and, and what have you. Um, and I got an update today that uh, today would have been Mike Tagliere's uh, birthday. Mike Tagliere from Fantasy Pros, who actually passed away um, last October, I want to say, last September, October. It was right around a, about a year ago. He passed away because of um, of, uh, of COVID issues or, or you know, uh, COVID-19. And this is a guy that I think we all, at some point, uh, maybe we still were, I know I was, paying attention to everything he did for Fantasy Pros, all the podcasts he was putting out, all the great content he was putting out, and the rankings and so on and so forth. Today would have been his birthday, uh, but he did pass away. So rest in peace, Mike. We still love you. We still miss you. And uh, Sundays aren't 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 the same uh, without you uh, on our on our um, uh, laptops, on our phones with the um, with all that fantasy pros um, game day pregame uh, coverage that he had. And then, of course, everything he did throughout the week. So happy birthday, Mike Tagliar. We uh, we miss you, buddy.